All right. So this morning, as we continue in our series on the biblical keys to unending financial supplies, this morning I'm going to be speaking on what I've titled the mindset and behavioral patterns that hinder financial supplies. The mindsets and behavioral patterns that hinder financial supplies. Let's open our Bibles this morning to Isaiah chapter 60. And we're going to be reading from verse 1 to verse 2. Isaiah chapter 60 from verse 1 to verse 2. Can we all read it together? Want to go? Arise, shine, for your light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. And gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you. And his glory shall be seen upon you. Now I want us to personalize it. Say arise. Say I will arise. I will shine. For my light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon me. Say darkness shall cover the earth. And gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon me. And his glory shall be seen upon me. So this is God's word. And um, it simply means it's immutable. It's unchangeable. And God already told us from his word. That a time is going to come that there will be darkness upon the earth. And he now says there will be gross darkness. Now darkness represents ignorance. Darkness represents, you know, um, a restriction, lack of progress. And the Bible is saying that in spite of what the people experience, it says your own experience will be different. It says the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen even upon your life. And so I pray for you that in this season, when every other person is complaining, you will be having reasons to celebrate. In the name of Jesus. You know, one of the things the world is confused about is about the issue of finances. Even the world government. <laughs> they are confused. People don't know what to do. You know. But the Bible is saying that it will cause its light to shine upon us now. Light represents illumination. It simply means that you will know what to do. You will know what to do in every situation and other circumstances. You will just know what to do. And that will be your experience today and all through this year in Jesus' name. One of the things I've discovered, you know, in years of reading, studying, and research is that it's been proven now that one of the greatest fear, you know, people have is not the fear of death. It's not even the fear of, they say that one of the greatest fears is the fear of people standing in front of a crowd. You know, we call it fear of public speaking. It's not even just the fear of public speaking. I say one of the greatest fear right now, especially in this generation, is the fear of people running out of money in their old age. The fear of people becoming broke after retirement or during retirement. And that fear is real. Now, that fear is what drives many people to do unscrupulous things when they have an opportunity to hold certain offices. 
something just informs them that, ah, I will not always be here. <laughs> and so what is going to happen to me after I leave this place? Now, that doesn't make what you're doing right, but it is evidence that they don't know what to do. Am I making sense this morning? But you and I need to understand that if you see, because God's plan and purpose is for you and I to live a life of superior quality and a life of excessive quantity. A believer is not meant to live in perpetual lack. No, it's not scriptural. It is not scriptural for a believer to live from hand to mouth. Now, a believer can experience that if he's ignorant. But that's not God's design. That's not God's best that's not God's desire for you and I. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, why is it that even though it's God's plan and purpose for everyone to live a life of abundance, a life of, you know, prosperity as it were, why is it that everyone is not experiencing it? There are a couple of reasons and next week Sunday I'm going to talk more about that. But one of the things I've realized is that the major reason why, why people are limited financially is often because of their thinking because of their thinking because of their mindset now you remember the bible tells us that a woman was pregnant and she began to feel uneasy about the pregnancy so she you know went into the place of prayers and god told her that you are not just carrying two boys you are carrying two nations that's esau and jacob he said that one is going to be subservient to the other now, what makes you superior in life is superior thinking, not superior labor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Superior labor must be a byproduct of superior thinking. That's why a man can outwork others. But if smartness and right thinking is not coupled with that labor, he might have nothing to show for it. That's why the Bible says the labor of the foolish man, it wearies every one of them because he does not know how. Now, the difference between Esau and Jacob is their way of thinking. When you look at someone like Esau in the Bible, scripture tells us that every time that Esau was a man that was skillful, right, in going into the wild, getting animals, such that when his father wanted to bless him, he told him to go make for him the venison that he loves. And the Bible says that he went into the wild to go catch the game so that he can prepare. You see, but Jacob, his brother, was a man that was more focused on reproduction. Esau was focused on consumption. That's why the day that he needed to get the blessing, he still needed to go and look for what will produce the blessing. But someone like Jacob, you see, maybe there was a time he had an animal or two and he started the process of crossbreeding, reproduction. And so when he needed to kill an animal, he didn't have to go into the bush to get a new one. Simply because they thought differently. Remember, there was a day the Bible tells us that, you know, Esau came home. He was tired. Having gone through everything he normally goes through. And he saw his brother cooking. And he told him, he said, give me out of your food. And he said, no, I'm not going to give it to you. You see, he said, except on one, on one condition. If you will sell me your birthright. You know what Esau said? He said, what is birthright to me? Just give me food. You can see the difference in their way of thinking. Because someone was focused on what he can get now, the other person was focused on the future. Future orientation. And you see, I've come to realize that even in our world today, the difference in men is in the difference in thinking. The difference in nation is difference in thinking. The difference in believers is difference in thinking. 
some believers don't think at all. <laughs> you know, when many people read Romans 12 and verse 2, when the Bible says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, what many people see unconsciously is the removal of your mind. So they believe somewhere at the back of their mind that the moment I give my life to Christ, you know, I'm not supposed to be thinking. My mind is not that necessary. Not true, sir. In life, you need to understand that there are basically two types of people. The people that are the top and the people that are beneath. Years ago, there's something called the middle class. It is still existing, but it is fading away. And it's fading very fast. And with the advent of technology, you know, and e-commerce, it is making that line, you know, to become, you know, blurry. Over time, in a matter of years, 20 years is conservative. In fact, it's extending it. In a matter of 20 years, the world is going to be divided into two. Basically, haves and haves nots. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? You don't need to agree. Just keep breathing. You will see it come to pass. The world is going to be divided between the rich and the poor. In fact, in God's equation, every time God will speak, do you know God never made provision for the middle class? Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13. It says, you shall be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. No plan for the middle. So as a believer, you are either at the top or you are on your way to the top. It simply means you must never be satisfied with being at the middle. Now, someone may be thinking, ah, but I'm in the middle class. That's good news. <laughs> the reason why I said it's good news is this. Everyone that is at the top did not start out being at the top. That's the good news about life. History is replete with the stories of men and women that started out with nothing. Not that they didn't have silver spoon. They didn't even have any spoon at all. <laughs> you know, some people were born with silver spoon. Some people with wooden spoon. Some people with no spoon. A man by the name of Colinius Vanderbilt in the 1800s, you know, was the one that um, um, created the railroad system in the United States as an individual. It connected the whole continent. You know, not the government, an individual. It started out by, you know, building boats, you know, sailboats, and eventually it, it graduated into building steamboats. That when it saw the creation of the railroads, it went into it, you know, and connected the nation like never before. And it was it's still one of the wealthiest human beings, right, that has ever lived. Now, the catch to it is that Cornelius Vanderbilt came from a family of servants. A family of servants. People will migrate to the United States and they migrate just to do odd jobs, to do nanny jobs. You see? But he came from that family and he said, My experiences or my experience is going to be different. Another person that you know if you're, we should all be familiar with is Jacob. Jacob left his father's house with nothing. <laughs> you know, as it were, he was running away from his brother. So he left with nothing. But when he came back, the Bible says that when he was going to divide his stuff, he divided it into four, you know, sections. Such that when his brother, he saw, he said, what is this? Because he was blessed. But he didn't start out that way. He went through years when it seems as if there was nothing. But he remembered the covenant that God made with him. And let me tell you this, that covenant is with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The same covenant God made with him, he has made with you and I. And that covenant is that, you know, you are going empty, but you are going to come back full. In the name of Jesus. 
I don't know how somebody entered into this year. I don't know how you entered into this quarter. I don't even know how you entered into this month. But I decree and declare that at the end of this year, you will be full. Full of the blessing. In the name of Jesus. The things that are missing today, that seems as if you lack the most. At the end of this year, those are the things we have the most. In the name of Jesus. You look at someone like John D. Rockefeller too. John D. Rockefeller was so rich that the United States had to break his company into bits. They said his monopoly, his monopoly was too strong. The original company was Standard Oil. It created oil refinery as we know it today. They broke the company. One of the companies you know is Chevron. They broke it and they thought, well, <laughs> we are going to break his wealth. But they shot themselves in the foot because the wealth just enlarged them all. But John D. Rockefeller was raised by a useless father. In fact, he was not even raised by a useless father because the father was absent. He dropped out at the age of 16. Why am I saying this? I don't know. Maybe somebody is here this morning. You don't even have an education. You don't have a university degree. And anytime they talk about the people that rise in life, the people that do well financially, you look down on yourself and say, ah, oh, somebody like me, where will I start from? <laughs> you are the one God that sent me to this morning. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't know what your qualification is. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 8, it says God is able to raise the beggar from the dust, you see, and the poor from the donkey. He said to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. So it doesn't matter where you are right now. God has a plan for you. And that plan is a plan of prosperity. So John and verse 2, he said, I wish above all things that you prosper. And he wasn't talking about spiritual prosperity. He says, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in hell, even as your soul prospers. You can see two prosperity mentioned there. One is material and financial. The other one is the spiritual part. He says, I wish above all things. So one of the priorities of God for you as a believer is that you do well financially and materially. The blessing of Abraham when God was going to call Abraham out of his father's house in Genesis 12. He said, I will bless you. He said, I will make your name great. Genesis 12 and verse 2. He said, get out of your father's house to a land that I will show you. He says, and I will bless you and make you a blessing. I will bless you and make you a blessing. And further down in his walk with God, the Bible eventually told us that Abraham was rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And another part of the scriptures, the Bible says, and he was blessing all things. Somebody say all things. Somebody say all things. A dimension of all things, blessings will begin to manifest in your life. In the name of Jesus. You will not be blessed in one area at the expense of the other. Somebody did not hear what I just said. You will not be blessed in one area at the expense of the other. Every area of your life will manifest the blessing in the name of Jesus. In Psalm 16 and verse 12, the Bible says, You have caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water. It says, But you have brought us into a wealthy place. 66 12. Psalm 66 and verse 12. It says, We went through the fire. We went through the water. It says, But you have brought us into a wealthy place. I don't know who it seems as if you are going through fire right now. It seems as if you are going through water. It seems as if you are about to drown on the death. It seems as if you are about to drown on the bills but I decree and declare that in this month of May you are coming out in the name of Jesus in this month of May God will bring you out it will bring you out of indebtedness it will bring you out of insufficiency in the name of Jesus in this month of May your hands will handle abundance 
You know, God said this month of May is a month of dream-like turnarounds. I don't know what area of life where you are trusting God for a turnaround, but I decree and declare, if it is God that has called me to do what I'm doing, I decree and declare this month there will be a turnaround. In your finances, there will be a turnaround. In your business, there will be a turnaround. In your family, there will be a turnaround. That family that even after service, you don't know what you are going to hit. I decree and declare, this month marks the end of that experience. In the name of Jesus. That is a word for someone and that person knows who I'm, I'm talking to them. I decree and declare, this month is the end of that experience. The people you are asking from, begging from, by this time next year, in the time space of 365 days, those same people will look up to you. In the name of Jesus. Please have your seats. A turnaround is coming. A turnaround is coming. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, a turnaround is coming. In Proverbs 23 and verse 7, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But I've told us time and time again that original translation, you know, from the original text, it actually means as a man thinks in his heart, so he eventually becomes. So he eventually becomes. So when you see a man or you see a woman and you see their life experiences, one of the things you need to track, right, is to track their mindset, their way of thinking. It is your thinking that determines your behavior. And it is your behavior that eventually determines your results. I'm going to say that again. It is your thinking, that is your mindset, that determines how you behave. And it is how you behave that determines your results in life. That's why it says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I want to make a clarification this morning. Because we're talking about finances all through this month. And I want to make a clarification. Because when people think about money, the only thing they think about is the paper. Isn't it? Let me tell you this morning, money is not paper. <laughs> whether it is 1,000 naira notes, whether it is $100 bill, that thing you are saying is not the money. It is only a representation of the money. Am I making sense this morning? You might want to write this down. Money is simply an agreed upon medium of exchange. Money is simply an agreed-upon medium of exchange and representation of value by a people group. I'm going to say that again. Money is simply an agreed-upon medium of exchange and representation of value by a people group. And that's why there was a time in human history that what money was was cowries right because that was the agreed upon medium of exchange but if you take cowries today you go to a store a grocery store you have packed all the groceries <laughs> you get to the counter you want to pay and you bring out a bag of cowries they will arrest you because that is no longer the agreed upon medium of exchange there was a time that money was simply traded by butter. You have what I need. I have what you need. So we come together and we exchange it. But it got to a point it became cumbersome. That's why man developed a representation of value. A representation, a medium of exchange that we all agree upon that this is what money is. If there is no general agreement within a geographical space that this is what money represents, 
It's not going to be money. That's why you can't use Zimbabwe dollars in Nigeria. If someone gives it to you, <laughs> even if it's 500 million Zimbabwe dollars, I believe you know the, it sounds like 500 million, it's not good money. <laughs> Zimbabwe dollars, I think 1 million Zimbabwe dollars buys an egg. <laughs> the currency is that bad, praise the Lord. But as bad as it is, in their own geographical space, that's the agreed upon medium of exchange. That's why today you have NFTs. That's why today you have cryptocurrency. It's an agreed upon. As long as human beings agree that this is a new medium of exchange, over time that paper will become useless. Because really that is not what money is. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? We are saying what is all this thing they will fizzle out. They might not. That's how when they developed paper years ago, some people said, oh, what is it? It is gold coins. It's gold coins. Is gold still valuable? Yes. But who pays in gold coins anymore? Or silver coins? Because it's no longer an agreed upon medium of exchange by people group. So please understand that when you are thinking of money, dissociate your mind from the paper. Dissociate, disconnect your mind. There are different dimensions of poverty. This morning I want to be very practical and at the same time I'm going to be very prophetic. Different dimensions of poverty because when people think of poverty, they're only thinking about the absence of cash. But friends, it's more than that. And please realize this. Poverty has no respect for age. It has no respect for race. It has no respect for geographical location. That's why there are poor people in the U.S., there are poor people in Nigeria. There are poor people everywhere, and there are rich people everywhere. The poorest nations of this world have also have poor people. Because poverty is not a respecter of, uh, no, 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 this country, let's excuse this country. No, it's, it's, it's more than that. The first dimension of poverty you need to understand is financial poverty, which everybody is familiar with. This is the mainstream understanding of poverty, so I'm going to skip it. I'm not going to dwell on it. The second is mental poverty. <laughs> Which is what we want to focus on this morning. Mental poverty. This is the lack of ideas that can generate resources. You see, a man may have money. He may have the paper. He may have money stored in the bank. But if his mind is not prosperous, that's what the Bible says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Your soul comprises of your mind, your will, and your emotions. If your mind is not working right, over time, that which you have in your hands will fall to the level of your thinking. Mental poverty is the lack of ideas that can change your financial state. It is what they, what they mean when they say that someone is brain dead. It's the barrenness of the mind. The third dimension of poverty is social poverty. Social poverty. This is a life void of meaningful and value-adding relationships. Uh, let me tell you this. Those of us that believe, all I need in this life is God. Your suffering is doing press up. Don't worry. It's just warming up. Because there is a school of thought that believes that all I need, so they don't care about people, they use people, they are snobbish, they have a bad attitude, as long as I can pray in tongues, rabahaya, and I'm in connection with God, nothing else matters, all I need is God, really, even Jesus, God himself, when he came to the earth, he needed human beings, in fact, to come to the earth, hallelujah, in fact, to come to the earth, he needed a human being, 
to come to the earth in the person of Mary. If Mary had said, no, you can't use my womb, he wouldn't have been able to make it to the earth. Because it's only a man that can pay the price. A sinless man, the price that needed to be paid for the redemption of man. So you need to understand that if you have so much cash, you have so much many ideas, yet you are poor socially. <laughs> that which is in the bank will so match your social stand. It's only a matter of time. That's why one of the things you notice in people that are rich is that you see that they are rich in relationships. Go check it. They are rich in relationships. You can't, you, you can't separate the two. I've heard people say this over and over again. Say, you know, me, me, I'm just, you know, I'm a quiet person. I like to keep to myself. Poverty too might keep to you. Something, the fact that something is, you have been accustomed to it does not mean it should not change. You may have been raised that way. You may have grown up that way, but you can change. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I've told us several times I used to be a very shy person. I could not look at people in the eyes. I was very shy, very timid. In fact, I believe there was a time I had low self-esteem. Very chronic one. As when I see people with low self-esteem, I can spot it. This one is suffering from low self-esteem. And one of the ways you know is that people keep to themselves. In the name of, I'm a quiet person. It's a lie. You have a problem. You have a problem. And you need to deal with it. Because if you don't deal with it, it will show your finances. Let me tell you this. Lack is, <laughs> when you see, one of the things I've noticed is this. Over the years, when you see people that are consistently broke, go and check it. They don't have good relationships. They don't have quality relationships. Go and check it. They always keep to themselves. Always keep to themselves. So I don't want people to think that eh, I'm going through it. But you are going through it. Eh, I, 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 they will now make me look as if I need help. Don't you need help? Another dimension of poverty is physical poverty. That is the lack of health, good health required to generate resources you need health because health is wealth health is wealth if health is lost all is truly lost and poverty of the body is real poverty because nobody can nobody can make money from a sick bed over time uh-huh. if you are in ICU you can't be making money from there because you are not even conscious of your environment the next you need to be aware of is knowledge poverty. Knowledge poverty. To lack the requisite information for breaking the gravitational pull of lack is a frustrating experience. And that is what we call knowledge poverty. That is, you just don't have the ideas. You don't have the skill. You don't have the competence. Next is spiritual poverty. Which is the worst poverty. It's the poverty of the spirit and the soul. A life that is lived in separation from its source. I might be thinking, why is pastor talking about this this morning? Just talk about the money. Uh, these are the things that affect the coming of the money. Revelations 3 and verse 17. Jesus was saying to John the beloved, talking about a particular church. He said, you say, I am rich. I have become wealthy. I don't need anything. Yet you don't realize that you are miserable, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. Did you see that? They had riches. They had money. But Jesus was saying that they are poor. So the poverty is there is not the absence of cash that he was talking about. It's another poverty. 
So we're talking about poverty. What do we mean? According to the United States, um, United Nations, they say poverty is living below two dollars per day. As I yesterday, I think a dollar is um, five hundred and what? Five what? Five eight five eighty nine. Five ninety. Not a bookie FX. As in, ah, uh, five what? Five ninety. So 590 times 2 is what? 1 what? 1,118. 180. So it simply means if you are living below that per day, according to the United Nations, you are poor. So they say extreme poverty is living below a dollar per day. That one is extreme poverty. So there is poverty, there is extreme poverty. So, <laughs> you need to begin to ask yourself, <laughs> am I truly rich? See, there is a way this environment can condition you to begin to think you have arrived when you have not even started. So, of us, because you have seven figures in your account, say, I'm, I'm okay, I'm a big boy. <laughs> you are running kitty kitty kataka. <laughs> you have nothing, just change it to dollars. Because the SI unit of wealth globally is dollars. So any money you have that is not a millions in dollars, you have not started. Keep working. As how to think. You don't think based on your environment. You think based on the global acceptable standard. That's one of the problems of, of the average Nigerian. We create our own standard. <laughs> That's why you work with the average artisan in Nigeria. It's like, it's okay, it's okay. Because to them, it's okay. Environmentally, it's okay. But globally, it's not okay. And anytime you want to do something, you want to create a standard, always ask yourself. One of the things you see that I told myself when the Gateway Church was starting years ago, he said, I want to be a pastor of a church that anybody in the world can connect to. And they will not fear this is an African church. That's why you don't see our choir just singing Yoruba, Yoruba, Yoruba song. Or singing Ibo, 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 Ibo song. Because if a German is watching it, all you understand is English. Will he be able to connect? Well, he can't. Now, does that mean we don't sing our native song? Of course we should. But in the singing of native too, you must sing all the ones represented. So if you sing Ibo, you must sing Yoruba. Because it's not a Yoruba church. It's a global church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why we do things the way we do it. Praise the Lord. Even though we are still warming up. Some of us are still trying to catch it. <laughs> but you will catch it. Don't worry. It's only a matter of time. You will get it. Praise the Lord. So when you are measuring poverty, when you are measuring prosperity, please use global standard. Use global standard. You are living in an estate. Good for you. That's not the unit measurement of abundance. Warren Buffet is still living in the same house he has been living in for over 40 years. And yet, is the wealthiest investor. When it comes to stock markets, I believe. Also understand this, that poverty is a mindset. is a mentality and a paradigm. That is, it's a way of thinking. And you need to realize that it's your internal state that produces your external reality. The difference between the rich and the poor is main is, is not really in what you see it is in the things you don't see it's in the way of because you can't see somebody's way of thinking you can only see their behavior 
You can only see their behavior. Hmm. All my mentors were saying during the week, he has been using a particular phone for seven years. Seven years. This is somebody that buys, a, that buys properties, like someone is buying a recharge card. That's the way he buys properties. And he's been using the same phone for seven years. No, but if he releases another phone now, you must buy it. Because you are trying to be what you are really not. There is a behavior that leads to abundance. And that behavior is produced by a mindset, a way of thinking. We need to get that. The work is more within before it manifests on the outside. See, the catch is this. If you can get the thinking right, or if you can deal with the toxic thinking, abundance will come by default. It will just happen by on, on, on autopilot. It will. But if you don't deal with the thinking, no matter what you do on the outside, haven't you seen people who earn so much, and yet at the end of the month, they are still in debt? Because it's not about the amount you are earning. It's not the amount, it's not about the amount of money that comes into your hand. It's in what are you able to do with it? Are you able to control the money that comes into your hand? One of the laws we spoke about on Sunday and on Wednesday, talking about the spiritual laws, right, of energy financial supply, is the law of control. Many people will never break free from poverty, from lack, from insufficiency because instead of controlling their resources, it is their money that is controlling them. Let me jump ahead of myself. Hmm. I read in a book some years ago and it has really helped me that wealth and prosperity is 20% knowledge and 80% behavior. So everything you are going to learn this month is 20% of what you need. To break free from financial insufficiency. In fact, the truth is, many of us, we already know some of the things we need to do. But we are not doing it. Because it's 20% knowledge, 80% behavior. 80% behavior. But if I give some of us the mic, you will teach me better. But the question is, are you behaving what you know? People know they should save. Why are they not doing it? See, one of the errors, and please listen to this, in case I'm not able to get, it, get to it during this series. What many people call investments in this generation, especially Nigerians, this millennial, Gen Z, and now generation alpha, is not investment. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not investment. Investment is not giving somebody money with the hope that they will give you more money, and you don't know what, the money, what they are doing with the money. That's not investment. That's money doubling mindset. That's why I go and check. You see, this is our Ponzi schemes. It has always happened. It will always happen. The people that end up suffering for it are the people that get in late. So you give the money. Is it, they've paid me. So you put it back. They've paid me. So you now tell your friends, ah, this thing is working. So everybody puts their money. What you don't understand is when you put your money in something like that, first question you need to ask is, when did it start? If it is over three, four months, let me tell you, your money is about to enter me score. That's not an investment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As an undergraduate many years ago, you don't have to like it. I've told us several times, my job in this house is a pastor. A pastor is to say what God says or what God is saying. You don't have to like what I'm saying. As an undergraduate, I went to my pastor. I started reading books on investment of finances. 
So I traveled. I went to Ibadan then to see my pastor. He was in Ibadan then. I said, sir, what can I invest in? He looked at me. <laughs> he said, invest. I said, yes. I said, I've been reading books on investment. He said, the first investment you need to make is an investment in yourself. Because a fool and his money, they are supported. So many people have not invested in their financial intelligence. For instance, we gave out a test last week. I'm very sure 95% of the people that got that test, they didn't do it. And you want to be blessed financially. It doesn't happen that way. Remember the first law is the law of prioritization. The fact that you didn't do that test is proof your finances means nothing to you. That's the first sign. That's the first sign. Let me tell you this. You must take the bull by the horn. So when we're talking about mindset, there are two basic types of mindset. There is a fixed mindset, according to Carol Duak in her book, Mindset. It's a good book. If you can get your hands on it, read it. It's a bit technical, but it will help your brain and your mindset, your way of thinking. Number one is a fixed mindset. Number two is growth mindset. A fixed mindset is a mind that believes this is how we have always done it and this is the way we will always do it. It's a fixed mindset. It's a mindset that is not flexible. A mindset that is unwilling to change its beliefs about money. A growth mindset believes this is how it has been, but there is a better way things can be done. People with growth mindset are willing to adapt, they are willing to change, and they are flexible in their thinking and their beliefs. I want to ask you this morning, and I'm still going to ask at the end of this message this morning, your beliefs, your mindset, where did it come from? Because, let me tell you this, 90% of your mindset is not yours. Your mindset you got from your parents, mindset you got from your friends, mindset you got from the media, especially in this age of social. <laughs> See, let me tell you this. The person that created Instagram is not on Instagram. Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear me? The person that created Instagram, the last time he posted was 2018. He's no longer on Instagram. How many years ago? You, you lived here. Continue. <laughs> Is it wrong to be on Instagram? No, I'm on Instagram. But you see, you are either a consumer or a producer. When you are on social, you don't you see. <laughs> the way many people believe today, when I see some behavior, I say, ah, this one is, is Instagram. It's trend. Instagram. So you think the way you are thinking is your own thinking. No, it is a thinking someone has programmed into you. They've sat down, they said, how do we program the next generation? How do we want them to be thinking? So they create things that makes you to begin to see things in a particular way. There is no generation given to consumption like this generation. What generation? Because in the days of our parents, in the 80s, in the 90s, when people buy things, you don't see it. Until the day you see them. They can't even call you to tell you, I just bought a cow. Maybe it's after one year or two years, you just jump and say, ah, you bought Mercedes and 230. Ah, it's the work of the Lord. We give God the glory. But now, even as you are in the car shop, you're already snapping, doing reels. Live, live, live. So we're at the car shop now. I want to test this. So every other person is under pressure to outdo what they've seen. There is a guarantee that the more people you follow online, the less original thinking you have. All right, you don't need to agree. 
I speak from research and scriptures. The more people you follow, there is a likelihood your thinking are not yours. You just think you are thinking for yourself. You are not thinking. So many of the mindsets we have, for the most part, are the mindset consciously, unconsciously passed down to us or programmed into us. This mindset often comes from friends, they come from parents, they come from co-workers. They even come from churches or mocks, whatever your background is. That's why I believe one of the most strategic decisions a believer can make is the decision of the church you go to. Let me tell you this, going to a church is not just a religious right and obligation. If you go to a church, let's say you don't even go for midweek recharge, midweek service, you don't. It was only Sunday and you are faithful in that Sunday. Or let's say once or twice in a month. It means you will hear something and you will hear it for a whole year. That thing you are hearing, it's not just what you are hearing. You are being programmed to be a kind of human being. That's why if you go to a particular place, naturally in life, you will be suspicious of everyone. It's just a program to be suspicious. There are places, I grew up in a denomination whereby, and some of those mindsets I'm going to talk about it this morning, we're made to believe that to be, pure, to, to, to be poor is to be pure. We just believed it. You see people with big cars, people looking good, you just believe something is not right. Ah. Uh, <laughs> That simply means he has put his hand in sin. Uh, something is not right. Ah, ah. Having this kind of car, the things of the world will perish with the world. I'm not to do scriptures. You add it. <laughs> Mindset and behavioral patterns that trap people in poverty. Number one, you only live once. YOLO. You only live once. Is a mindset that will put you in poverty and may put your children and children's children in poverty. You only live once. This mindset makes people to live without recourse to the future. So you only live once. Of course, you only live once. But when it comes to finances, you don't allow it to be a driving mindset. And you only live once. Some people, the day they get their salary, you know, they must go to Cold Stone, go to the movies. That is the day they will eat as if they are eating their last supper. They will sit there and say, ah, <laughs> I can't kill myself. Oh. You are killing yourself without knowing. <laughs> they say, I love it to flex. Oh. Hey. Your finances is not flexing. <laughs> See, in life, everybody must go through pain. Is it that the pain of discipline or the pain of regret? It is better to experience the pain of discipline than the pain of regret. Because when you start experiencing the pain of regret, it is too late to go through the pain of discipline. Because most time at that stage of your life, it is too late to make corrections. Everybody will experience pain. When everybody is buying the letters, you're buying the letters phone. Wanting to show off. And you have that same money. Do you know it could be painful? Because it seems as if you don't have. And you know you have. Let me to enjoy this thing. It's painful. But you decide to go through that pain. You are living like nobody else so that in future you can live like nobody else. 
See, your competition is not against your peers. It's against your future. Stop competing with your friends. See, let me tell you, some of the friends you have in the next 10 years, you will no longer be friends. Some of them, you don't even know where they are anymore. Some of us, we made life-altering decisions in university because of the influence of our friends. They told you who to date. I don't date that guy. That guy does not have a car. You listen to them. Where are those friends now? Yolo. The second mindset is a budget is unnecessary if there is plenty of money. Who needs a budget when there is enough money? There's no, see, there is no money that cannot finish given time. There were people that used to be very rich. All you need to do is to make one wrong decision. One wrong, in fact, you don't need to make wrong decision. All you need is one policy. One person that does not like your face in government. I just say, this guy, let's go after him. They just make policy. Just a signature. And the business is gone. A budget is you telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. In fact, let me put it this way. A budget is you telling your money where to go before it arrives instead of you wondering where it went after it has vaporized. You know, most people create budgets after they spend money. And I try to remember. You want to remember what you use money for in 30 days. Really? Hey, your ability to recall is that sharp. I should hire you. Hmm. Nobody is that smart. Something will fall through the cracks. You cannot remember. Some people just feel like, oh, this budgeting, budgeting thing. Is this... It's a sadist that budgets, really. Hmm. So these people who don't know how to enjoy life, everything, be writing everything, writing everything, is it necessary? Hmm. Don't worry, the future will tell. If you don't track your outgo, your income may be your downfall. You know, income, outgo, opposite. <laughs> the next destructive mindset is the poorer I am, the purer I become. Take the whole world and give me Jesus. I mean, what's that song? Take the whole world and give me Jesus. <laughs> See, there were songs we sang, and we sang a passion, even crying. And those songs, we didn't know it was programming us for lack. Because something just told you, I don't need anything in this world. Just give me Jesus. <laughs> you will pay your house rent with Jesus. Even Jesus had the things of this world. Don't worry, we'll get there this morning. It's not amen, I will get there. <laughs> Even if my time is about that, we'll skip other things and get there. Because that one, I must talk about it. The poorer I am, the purer I become. It's a lie. It's, it's a seri- In fact, what the most, some of the most evil people I've seen are poor people. Very evil people. They will do anything just to get money. I'm telling you. From experience. I'm not saying all poor people are bad people. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying one of the most evil people I've seen. You see some human behavior and wonder, ah, ah. Are you human? No, you must be devil incarnate. <laughs> there are decisions first lady and I we've made years ago. Trying to help people, and the people we try to help the most, 
were the ones that turned against us the most. And one of the things I've realized is the people that seem not to be at ground zero that you try to help, they are the ones that don't give you problems by experience. And we've not been the only one that experienced it. Most of the people that I know, they have experienced it like that. So I've come to that conclusion. I may be wrong, but I'm from my own personal experience. That the fact that you are poor doesn't mean you are pure. If I suspect you. Especially if you're in the right environment and your financial status is not changing. For instance, you can't be in a church like this. You see, let me tell you this. If you've been in the gateway for one year, for those of us that just joined when we got here, let's celebrate them. Let's celebrate them. Let me tell you this. You are here for a ride of a lifetime. You cannot be a part of this church for one year and your life will remain the same. It's not possible. It's not possible. Apart from what I teach, is a grace I carry. It's a grace for lifting. And it's evident on my life and first lady's life. You cannot be around us and remain the same. You can't. I just know it. So, if your life is not changing, I'm suspicious of you. I'm serious. If someone has been around me for one year and I don't see any trace, I'm suspicious. Is it that your, your heart is not right or you are carrying the wrong spirits? But if you are truly connected, things will change. And you don't need to be the one saying it. People will just know it. What's happening? Something has changed about you. So please get rid of that mindset that says, you know, I don't, you know, that mindset makes, is a self-sabotage. Where you want, where the moment you start making some amount of money, something tells you, hey, I hope I will not lose my faith. I hope I will not. It will begin to make, drive you to make decisions that will make the money leave you. Because something just tells you, ah, this money, hey, it might not make me love God again. No. It You know, there's a scripture people use. In fact, two scriptures when they use uh, uh, people that try to, you know, emphasize on this mindset. It's the scripture of, you know, when Jesus said, it is difficult for a camel to go to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. How many of us have had that before? When I was growing up in, the, in that denomination, me too, I had that issue. Ah, a camel. So it means it's impossible. Maybe we should see that scripture. Some of us are looking at me. I've not seen that scripture before. Matthew 19. Let's see. Let's have it on the screen. Matthew chapter 19, verse 24 to 26. I want to point something out to you here. The Bible says, and again, let's look at the screen. The Bible says, and again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through what? The eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Is this not an affirmation you are not supposed to be rich? From Jesus' mouth. But you say, when you are reading scripture, read it in context. Because, uh, because when you look at a camel, a camel can, if Jesus has said it is difficult for an ant, we will understand. Even an ant finds it difficult to go through the eye of a needle. But the eye of a needle here is talking about is not the needle. Remember, Jesus was talking to Jews. The eye of a needle is a gate. It's even online, you can research it. Just type eye of needle in Jerusalem. It is a small gate. In the wall of Jerusalem, where merchants pass on a particular day, that they don't open the city gates for everybody to pass. So when merchants are bringing their stuffs on camel, it is very difficult for the camel to pass through the eye of that needle. That's what they call it, the eye of the needle, that particular space. You see, so what the merchants will do is to offload the camels so that the camel can pass. They will now carry the stuffs across the needle. But religious pundits have made us believe that the needle here is a bere. 
the needle of telos. Now, go further. Verse 25, the Bible says, when his disciples had it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who can be saved? What does that mean? If the disciples were poor, they would not have asked that question. Jesus said, it is difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples say, ah, so who can be saved? It simply means they were not poor. If they were poor, they would not ask that question. Now, Jesus said, and, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. So it simply means if you have money without God, it can corrupt you. But with God, it will make you more righteous. Nobody hearing what I'm saying? So they will just quote one scripture. They will not tell you the whole context. Just say, a rich man, to enter the enter of the needle, you know, cannot enter the kingdom of God. And you two, you just swallow it. Ah, God, I don't want to be rich, you. Just give me enough. That's another scripture they use. Um, Proverbs chapter 30. The words of Ago. What's that guy's name? Evil sounds like, oh God, Ago. <laughs> you know. He said, don't give me too much. That guy was not saved. He said, lest I sin against you. The words of Ago. Um, Proverbs 30. If you can have it. Proverbs 30, I think it should be verse 7. Proverbs 30 and verse 7. Okay. All right. We have it. He says, two things have I required of you. Deny me them not before I die. He says, remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Can you see the guy is even confused? Which one do you want? You say neither poverty nor riches. He says, feed me with food convenient for me. So you know how to eat. And he said, they should not give you money. Go to the next verse. He says, lest I be fool and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. You can see the guy is confused. But some people use this scripture. I say, no, ask God not to give you riches. Ask him not to give. Which one do you want? You have to decide. Another mindset that makes people poor is that they believe Jesus was poor and they want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. I don't know the Jesus you have believed in, but Jesus was not poor. And I will give you four instances. Are we ready? Hmm. Because you can hear a lie long enough. If you hear it long enough, you will believe a lie. You will believe a lie. You believe a lie. Like one of the lies the Western world is selling now is the lie of you are not male, you are not female. And now it's even becoming part of curriculum from primary school. Hmm. I think it was the governor of Florida. He came out and said, we sent our children to school for education, not indoctrination. I love that man. He stood up to the government. Because that's indoctrination. By the time a child grows up believing, I'm not failing. So what are you? You you now be the one to decide. Hmm. Jesus was not poor. How do I know? John 13, 27 to 29. The first reason why I know Jesus was not poor was the Bible told us that at the time of Passover, when Judas was about to betray him, let's have it on the screen. John 13, 27 to 29. The Bible says, and after the soap, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto Judas, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now, no man at the table knew for what intent Jesus spoke unto him. Verse 29, for some of them thought, that is the disciples, because Judas had what? As the bag of money <laughs> that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we need off against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. 
So number one, Jesus had a treasurer. How many poor people do you see having treasurers? How many? So even at the personal staff that all he was handling was money. Number two, the Bible says that the disciples thought that he said he should go and give money to the poor. It simply means that was a lifestyle to Jesus. A poor man cannot help another poor man. Another reason why I know Jesus was not poor hmm, was because he often moved from city to city in a convoy. Some of us don't believe, right? I will show you. Mark 4, verse 35. I don't tell you things I can't prove. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 35. We'll read to verse 36. Are we ready? Are we ready? So let's look at the screen. Let's read together out loud. One to go. And the same day when evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Verse 36. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, that is Jesus, as he was in the sheep. And there were also with him what? There was also with what? Other little sheep. What's that? <laughs> so Jesus was in a sheep. The others were in other sheep. Little sheep. So it simply means Jesus' sheep was bigger. For them to describe it as other, and not say other little, they don't say another little sheep. They said other little sheep. Oh, poor. It's plenty. <laughs> a poor man, number one, cannot afford one sheep. Not to now talk of having other little ships. Jesus was not poor. So if you want to be like him, you better be like the real Jesus. Because mm. the scripture people use it. Ah, the fox of the air, they have their den. Eh, birds of the air, they have their nest. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his rest. He was talking about his itinerary ministry. That is when I move around. It is where I see that I sleep. He didn't say he didn't have a house. I think I showed them those that came on Wednesday. How Jesus, they asked him at the time. Some disciples of John the Baptist asked him. He said, Master, where do you live? Jesus did not say, um, it's like, um, I'm not going home streets. He said, come, come, let me show you my house. The Bible says, and when they got to his house, the Bible says they passed the night. It was even a house that could accommodate guests. There are houses where you can't host guests. Jesus was not poor. Another mindset, you may not like this, but it's the truth. If I pray hard and long enough, God will give me some money. So you see people not working. They wake up in the morning and they begin to speak in tongues. God, do it. It gets to a point, they even start crying. God. Oh dear. I remember when I was on campus, I saw some guys perform that drama. Not once, not twice. They will remove their shirts and they'll be sweating. And sometimes like, God cannot be this hard. See, the principles that govern spiritual warfare is not the same principle that govern financial prosperity. You can be a very strong Christian in the realm of the spirit, but be very weak financially on the earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? is valid but let me tell you this the prayer many people pray in terms of finances is not the prayer they should be praying it's not a prayer God give me money he can't give you because he does not have it some of us are shocked God does not have money because he don't spend money in heaven if he gives you money he just gives you fake notes because he don't spend it in heaven is it dollar they spend in heaven or naira he can only give you what he has 
It gives you ideas, concepts, strategies. That's the language of heaven. Illumination, direction. See, no amount of prayer and fasting engaged in will make God break his principles. Especially financial principles. <clears throat> Next, if God wants me to have money, he will just give it to me. That's another mindset. If God wants me to have money, he will give me. They say, no good thing will leave we told from them that walk uprightly. It is true. Mm. But let me tell you this. Philemon 1 and verse 14. The Bible says, without your mind... That is, without your thinking, will I do nothing? That's what the Bible says. So God will only give you what your mindset agrees with. Abraham was a friend of God. He was very rich. Lazarus was also a friend of God. He was very poor. Why? Because the Bible tells us. Let, me, let us go to Luke chapter, um, Luke chapter 16. Luke 16 verse 21. Praise the Lord. I want us to see these scriptures because this is about mindset. Hallelujah. No, go to verse 20. Let's go to verse 20. Let's start from verse 20. Are we getting blessed this morning? The Bible says, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at the gate of the rich man, full of sores. The Bible says, and what? Desiring to what? The first problem is he was desiring to be fed instead of feeding himself. Many of us, we desire for people to do things for us. You desire for your parents to take care of you. If you are above 19, your parents are no longer responsible for you. Get that and get it straight. Anything they do for you is luxury because globally, remember I said global standard, you are an adult. An adult. So instead of, you are, you are a graduate, you are just living under the roof of your parents. They give you small meat, you are complaining. So that meat is too small. They should not even give you anything. Because in a developed country, your parents would have sent you out. And if they are still living, you will be contributing to the bill of the house. Because you are even the one using the bill the most. Because when they go to work, you will be at home. You are watching Netflix. So you are consuming the bill, the electric bill, praise the Lord, or increasing it as it were. He says, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. You can see that all over Nigeria. Ah, Twale, Twale, Oga. That's it. Desiring to be. Because you believe some people have. Ah, what do you have for the boys? They are desiring the crumbs. Why can't you desire the bread or the bakery? The Bible says, moreover, the dogs came and licked the sauce. Go to verse 22. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into where? Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and he was buried. Let's stop there. He was so poor on the earth that even when he made it to heaven, they did not entrust him with his mansion. They sent him to a rich man to learn how to behave well in heaven. Is there, is this your Bible? It's not my Bible. That's why I said we should see it ourselves. Can you see it? That when did they, where did they carry him to? To his own mansion? No, to Abraham's bosom. Why? Abraham was rich on earth. Oh, as he's saying, ah, there's this pastor is I might be is this Akitola Samuel translation KJV, not ASV Akitola Samuel version. Is KJV? See what I want us to. In fact, if I don't talk about strategies this month, if you can just deal with the mindset, a larger percentage of the work is done because it is mindset that determines behavior. Are you blessed this morning? Are you tired? 
Should I add more? You know Job was also a friend of God. Yet Job was not poor. That's why I don't believe the Christianity of some people. That the closer they get to God, the broker they become. No, you are getting something wrong. You are getting it wrong. That's why you see that the people that attack rich believers the most and rich preachers the most online are believers with these faulty mindsets. Because something just tells them, a pastor should be broke. You have not found your pastor if you are in this house. You have not found your pastor. You are in motion. And God will lead you to your poor pastor. I'm not one of them. Because I represent Jesus. I'm an ambassador. And there is no right thinking country where they send an ambassador to another country and they don't take care of the ambassador. If I'm representing Christ, he should take care of me. He should. And you are also his ambassador. I believe you know. The Bible says we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. When people should see, when they see you, they should see heaven. Ah, this is what I want my life to be like. You may not be there yet, but you are in motion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Next is monkey they walk, baboon they chop. <laughs> That's another mindset. Monkey they walk. This mindset, you see, it didn't start now. It has started since in the Bible. I will show you. Matthew 25. Let's go there. Matthew 25, verse 24 to 25. Matthew 25, verse 24 to 25. The Bible says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you that you are a what? And had man. Reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not sown. Did you see that? What's that? Monkey, they walk. That is, we are the one walking. They, see, they were in the same condition, working for the same master. Because of time, that's why we're not reading the whole context. The Bible says the master gave one five talents, gave another two, two talents. Uh, gave another person two talents and another one, one talent. Why is it that the one with the five talents and the two talents did not have that complaint? They didn't understand that it was a hard man. Why is it that you are the only one that noticed the hard man? It was that hardness that he was seeing. Let me tell you this. There are no perfect leaders. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are no perfect leaders. You only see what you want to see. And what you are looking for is what you find. What you are looking for is what you find. <laughs> I've had the same pastor for 20 years and counting. And I'm not planning to change. I'm here to see the error in him. I've seen people have spoken. That's why one of the wisdom the Holy Spirit gave me when I met my pastor, 2002, he told me, he said, followership is not a collective thing. It is personal. There's nothing like collective followership. If you are doing collective followership, the way the day somebody has issues with the person you are following, all of you will have issues. That's one of the things. I don't make friends around my pastor. No, that's not why I'm there. Among my mentors, among co-proteges, I don't make friends. So that your own problem will not become my problem. When you now start seeing there is a hard man, I will not be seeing the hardness with you. Why didn't the five talent guy, why didn't he see that? Why didn't the two talent guy, why didn't he see that? He may be a hard man of the truth, but what are you looking for? What are you looking for? I've realized that people with this attitude, they never make it financially. Go and check it. People will believe the bosses they are just using us. Eh? They don't even increase our salary. They are just, see, let me tell you this. <laughs> I've told us several times. As a believer, 
understand this. God's primary way of blessing you is through the works of your hand, but it's not the only way. He says, let him that steal, let him steal no more. Rather, let him walk that which is good. He said that he may have to give, not that he may have to eat. Your work is not your source. It's simply a channel through which God blesses you. He can bless you through other means. When Joseph was working in the house of Potiphar, why didn't he say, monkey, they walk back? See, everything that he seemed as if he was not being paid, in one night, everything came when he became prime minister. In one night. You may be in a place, let me tell you, see, this generation, I wish, they call them Generation Z and Alpha. They are very, they have short emotional feels. Any little thing, I'm getting out, I'm getting out, I'm getting out. I'm getting out. I, I can't stand this. They are abusing me emotionally. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm emotionally, I'm, I'm traumatized. What's traumatizing you? See, it is building you and making you strong. I hear what I'm saying. You may not like it. But a lot of weak people have been raised in this generation. As just the truth. I want to add one more and I'll call it a wrap this morning. I believe you've been blessed. <laughs> Another mindset that leads people to poverty and keeps them there. Is that this mindset of nobody wants to help me. Nobody's helping me. <laughs> nobody's helping me. See. Except God puts it in people's heart to help you, it is nobody's responsibility to help you. The earlier you understand that, the better. In John chapter 5, the Bible says Jesus went to a pool, but it's called the pool of, it's called the pool of Bethesda. The Bible says it's a pool where there are so many sick people, the maimed, the lame, the sick. Everybody will come there. Why? Because it was a pool of healing. A place where when you get there, there is an assurance that the angel will stir up the waters at least once every year. Oh, sorry, once a year. And anybody that steps in first, the Bible says it will be healed, no matter what the sickness is. So this guy that Jesus met there, the Bible says he had been there for 38 years. How can you be celebrating anniversary in adversity? 38 years. Jesus did not even live up to 38 years. It simply means he had been there before Jesus was born. First year, I have no man. Second year, I have no Because when Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? Go to verse 7. I think it should be verse 7. Yeah. Okay, go to verse 6 so that we see the proper context. Go to verse 6. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Will you be made whole? Verse 7. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. So every other person came to carry you when they came to solve their own problem. See, you must get to that point where you realize and accept and embrace it as the, tr as the truth that your financial breakthrough is not in the hands of your boss. It's not in the hands of your parents. It's not even in the hands of your government. Huh? That's why, see, let me tell you this. If you travel and you don't accept responsibility, it's not about traveling. A lizard in Nigeria will not become an alligator in London. Huh? If you don't accept responsibility for your life, wherever you are going, your financial state will still not change. It's not about where you are. It's about who you are at the core of your soul. You must accept responsibility. 
one of my favorite characters. The Bible didn't talk so, so much about him. But in that little part where the Bible says he's one of my favorite characters, the man by the name of Jephthah, you must have heard me talk about him several times. Judges chapter 12, I think verse 3. The Bible says when the people came to him, the whole nation, they were in trouble. They came to him for help. And they had sent Jephthah away moments before, like maybe months or years before. The Bible says when they came to Jephthah, and when they saw, he said, when I saw that you delivered me not, I put my life in my hands. It simply means in the process of time, Jephthah did something with his time and his life that made him relevant to the same people that despised him before. Let me tell you this. You say, yeah, my cousin did not help me. My uncle did not help me. And you are bitter. Uncle, take your life in your hands. Bitterness will only keep you in a perpetual state of lack. Because it will make you more conscious of what people didn't give you instead of thinking of how to get out of that hole. I pray for you this morning that your eyes will be opened in the name of Jesus. In this month of May, you will know what to do. In this month of May, God will open your eyes. He will show you the step to take in the name of Jesus. In this month of dream light turnaround, I decree and declare, let there be a financial turnaround. Let there be a financial turnaround. For everyone trusting God for a new job, let this month be that month. For everyone trusting God for new clients, let this month be that month. In the name of Jesus, I decree and declare, somebody under the sound of my voice, you will change the story of your family financially. In the name of Jesus, someone under the sound of my voice, you will change the story of your family. In the name of Jesus, I decree and I declare, the things you have lacked the most, begin to have it the most. In the name of Jesus, from today I decree and declare, money will meet money in your hands. Money will meet money in your hands. Money will meet money in your hands. From today, lack has become foreign to you. In the name of Jesus. The Bible says God is able to lead us in the path of prophets. The Psalms 32 and verse 8. It says, I will teach you, I will lead you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my own eyes. There is a place where abundance is. There is a place of prosperity. The Bible talks about the hidden riches in secret places. It is hidden. It's now in a secret place. It means your eyes are not smart enough to see it. But there is a God that sees all things. I decree and declare, this week let your steps be ordered. In the remaining days of this year, let your steps be ordered. Every man, every woman that will be instrumental in your financial journey. I say, let God begin to bring them into your life. In the name of Jesus. From today, begin to make the right decisions. The right financial decisions. The right career decisions. The right business decisions. In the name of Jesus. I decree and declare the things we have lost, they are now being restored. In the name of Jesus. Financial restoration. Career restoration business restoration the things that have not been working i speak life to them right now i say let them begin to work let every dead and dying business come back to life in the name of jesus in jesus name i pray